Hey everyone, this is uh, Talk Bookie to Me, episode 2 for October, our middle of the month episode. I am one host, Aaron, and I'm here with... Alicia. uh, The second host of this nice show. Um, So this is a a more conversational podcast about books and book-related things. Um, that we hope to use to kind of hold ourselves accountable for reading and maybe give you some good recommendations and maybe some entertainment along the way. Um, So at the beginning of this month, we introduced our theme, which was kind of spooky books for October. Um, We talked about a few of the stuff that was on our TBR that we were leading into, uh, and then some stuff that related to that theme a little bit as well. So in this middle month episode, uh, we're going to kind of just check in, see where we're at, um, touch on some news, give a couple rapid-fire recommendations, and just kind of jump around and see where the conversation goes. So um, to kick things off, I mean, we like to do just a little bit of news, a little bit of book-related news, and some new happenings and events and stuff. So uh, why don't you tell us yeah. some news? So it's kind of early out, um, but T.J. Klune, who has written um, The House on the Cerulean Sea, under the Whispering Door, um, a lot of, like, fantasy, they, people talk like they're cozy fantasy, mm-hmm. I've not read any of them yet, but, um, they do seem like something that I'm really into, but the House on Australian Sea has a sequel coming out fall 2024 mm-hmm. called Somewhere Beyond the Sea, and if you haven't seen any of his books, they all have, like, these really whimsical covers. Really colorful, um, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I have the... Under Whispering Door and House on the Cerulean Sea with sprayed edges. So mm-hmm. I hope this one comes with sprayed edges at some point, too. Right. <laughs> um, and then other book news. Michael Crichton and James Patterson, two really big names in, I guess, with like mystery thriller, mm-hmm. have come together and co-authored a novel that's also coming out in 2024, but in June. It's called Eruption. It's about a once-in-a-century volcano that um, erupts and threatens a secret cache of chemical weapons that could destroy the world. Mm. So that seemed like a really interesting concept. Plus, it's rare that two giant names... I mean, right. they're really big <clears throat> names in literature, period. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's really rare to me that two giant names would come together and be like, yeah, I think we can do something together. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because like, James Patterson usually does like the co-author thing where he comes up with ideas and gets people to kind of pick up his right. books. But I don't know of him ever pairing up. Wait, uh, well, he did. He paired up with a president or someone, right? At some point. But did he really? I think so. I think he paired up with a president and wrote was a book. Bill Clinton. I think it was Bill Clinton. Was, yeah. yeah. Okay, well. Not a big name in literature, but a big name, I guess. <laughs> he shared the spotlight. They both had equal-sized font on the front of the cover. I'm sure, yeah. One of the few times that ever Carden, happened. Michael Carden, who wrote Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, that's... No, he's definitely he big, yeah. jumps genres a little bit more than James Patterson does. For sure, yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Coming together. He does do a lot of mystery thrillers. So this is probably mm-hmm. just, like, a thriller suspense type of story based on what I've read. Uh, it seems like... It could go together really well. Maybe it won't seem like it's co-authored. Right. And it'll just have one voice. Or if it has two voices, it'll be better from like two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, that's pretty exciting stuff. And um, then I oh. have one more oh, like, kind it. of big deal. Um, so, Book Lovers launched a plan. Mm. Um, it actually came out 
I think it was the 13th, and today's the 15th that we're recording. Mm -hmm. So they launched a plan this week to help readers trapped in Florida. It's a website called bannedbooksusa.org. They'll send censored and restricted books to uh, for free to any library, school, or person who is stuck in Florida. Right. That, that, that's a really big deal. And I say yeah. stuck in Florida because, like, I mean, if you're young, you don't really have access to get out, first of all. Right. And you've been affected by... The book banning mm -hmm. situation in Florida. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think that's a really a cool thing that they do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, free access to knowledge, I think, is super yeah. important. And it's really cool like that they have a good mission statement, and it's an actual organized thing yeah. doing that, for sure. I mean, cause yeah. Just because you don't want your kid to read a book doesn't necessarily mean you need to ruin it for everybody else. Absolutely. No, you're, you're definitely right. So um, I've got just a couple of pieces of news, nothing too major. Um, so, uh, Brandon Sanderson, you know, very popular fantasy writer, um, writer of Mistborn and the Stormlight Archives and things like that. Um, he announced this secret projects thing a little while ago. And if no one's seen anything about it, it's kind of interesting, fun, uh, sort of Kickstarter that he did where, um, there's four books in this secret projects series. He did very little marketing of what the actual books are themselves. They're a surprise, typically, whenever they come out or once it gets close to their release. Um, it's more of a surprise. And they're pretty interesting. I've not read any of them yet, but it's just kind of cool the way that he he's able to... He's such a big name mm -hmm. that he's able to throw his weight behind something like this and say, all right, well, I'm not going to tell you what these books are, right. but it's four unreleased books that I have. I'm not even going to show you the covers, you know, people pre-ordered like crazy. I think the Kickstarter pre-order sold out or like hit a crazy I'm high level. I'm pretty sure three out of the four so far have been announced as YA. Yeah, yeah. Well, three out of the four are currently out as well. So we're, I mean, I'm a little behind on the news there. But the the first one that came out was Tress of the Emerald Sea, um, which is like a pirate type book. Uh, the second one, which I know nothing about, uh, was Frugal Wizard's Handbook for Surviving Medieval England. It looked cool. That's it, all I know. It looks cool. <laughs> I don't know anything about it either. Um, and the latest one came out on the 3rd of this month, and that is Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, which sounds pretty interesting. We've seen quite a few people talking about that one. And it has just the most beautiful cover on it. Yeah, so I think there's two sets of covers as well. There's the collector's covers for people who back the Kickstarter campaign, um, and then there's the standard covers. Honestly, they're both great. Like, the standard covers have really cool kind of designs and very colorful and stuff like that. Uh, the Kickstarter ones are a little bit more uniform. Um, they they kind of match as a set a little mm. bit more. But they're still, cool. they're still super cool, though. Um, and the second piece of news, which I actually just remembered right before we were going to record... Uh, was a book that I stumbled on that's coming out uh, on, oh gosh, uh, November 22nd. So we got a little ways until that one comes out. Um, it's called Critical Hits, Writers Playing Video Games. We talked about this a little bit last night whenever I found it. Um, it's an anthology of different writers that have been impacted in some way by video games that uh, they each write an essay and it's collected, uh, but the, the central theme is video games. Um, from what it looks like, some of them are very personal and intimate and connect to their identity, such as their race, sexual orientation, gender, things like that. Some of them seem a little bit more um, kind of universal, I guess, with like themes of like loss and, and things of that nature, kind of connecting to uh, these video games and how they impacted these people. Um, 
But again, it's called Critical Hits, Writers Playing Video Games. Uh, the two editors, I just want to shout that out just in case people want to look this up. They know they got the right book. Is uh, J. Robert Lennon and Carmen Maria Mercado. Um, so those are the two editors for the collection. I think she's a really big name in literature, if I'm not mistaken. The name sounded so yeah. familiar, and then I didn't even think to look her up. But, at all. I mean, that would yeah. be really good for nonfiction November. Absolutely, yeah. And also, um, if if you happen to listen to episode zero, and I talked about one of my favorite nonfiction books of all time is They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us. Um, and the guy who wrote that book actually writes one of the essays that's going to be in this collection, which is super exciting for me because I think about that collection of essays at least once a week in most cases. So, um, But those are the big pieces of news that we had. <coughs> we also have a few things that we're just kind of excited about that we wanted to mention before we get into progress on our TBR. Um, do you want me to run through mine first or do you want to do yours? You said that was Carmen Maria Machado? Yep. She does in the dream house that uh oh that, that memoir that looked yeah. yeah that one looked good okay that's why the name is familiar yeah okay. I had to look it up no I'm glad because <laughs> I was like I need to know who this is I couldn't remember as I was writing her name down I was like I know she's famous Big. or something like I know she did something recently <laughs> yeah. or something you know but um do you want to go through some of the stuff you're excited about first well yeah because I went I mean. Of course, I went to a bookstore. Oh, yeah, that's right. Since we recorded that. Purchased books. Um, And I did purchase some books. So where we are, we have uh, like two used bookstores and then like Second and Charles, which is obviously like a bigger used bookstore. Mm -hmm. And then we have a Barnes and Noble. Uh, So I went to Second and Charles on Friday the 13th. And they were do- they were doing a sale. It does seem like they're doing a lot of sales. So if you have one near you. It's like every weekend. Sign up for their email or their text. Because yeah. they do let you know. Um, I got a total of 11 books. I'm going to go through them kind of quickly um, because I don't know a lot of, about them. Mm-hmm. Diamonds Are Forever, Ian Fleming. That's a 007 novel. I don't really know why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what has drawn me to these lately. Right. But this is now the second one that I've picked up. It's cool. It has though. this like yeah. really cool pulpy cover. And, right. I mean, I like 007. Well, I did. I haven't watched them in a long time. Right. Um... Haunting Adeline by H.D. Carlton. That's been super popular on TikTok. Uh, the Ranger of Marzana by John Scovron. Not Your Average Hot Guy by Gwenda Bond. Spooky Little Girl by Lori Notoro. The Management Style of the Supreme Beings by Tom Holt. That which I literally fun. picked up because... Wasn't that in the fantasy section? It was, yeah. And it's like... The everyday life of a supreme being. Yeah. And it just seemed like super office-y. Yeah, it seems like a workplace comedy <laughs> right. type thing. Right. But with like fantastical creatures, which sounds like an amazing combination. <laughs> uh, City of Gods and Monsters, Kayla Edwards. Death and Resurrection by R.A. McAvoy. Rabbits by Terry Miles. And then I have two that I'm super excited about. Um, the Hacienda by Isabel... Canis and Spells for Forgetting by Adrian Young. Uh, I'm gonna I have them here. I was gonna read the little insert for you real fast. Mm-hmm. Spells are Forgetting. I actually started listening on Audible, well, audio through Libby. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. I might have bought it. Super, I can't remember. Super quick shout out for Libby, too, because oh, if people yeah. don't know what that is. That's a you can sign up for it using a um. Uh, using a library card, and you can just check out tons and tons of audiobooks. And, and even like if that. you don't have a library card to your area, Broward County in Florida, which ir- yeah, like, ironic, <laughs> ironically, yeah. um, Broward County has a free library mm-hmm. card that you can get, an online card. 
I have that set up to my Libby. They have a huge selection because apparently they have too many books. Right, right. <laughs> because people don't care about libraries down there. Right. But Yeah, sorry to derail. I just want sorry. to shout that out. No. <laughs> so Spells for Forgetting. Um, <coughs> it's Emery Blackwell's life changed forever the night her best friend was found dead and the love of her life, August Salt, was accused of murdering her. Years later, she's doing what her teenage self swore she would never do. Live a quiet existence on the misty remote shores of Sorcy. I think that's Sorcy. S-A-O-I-R-S-E. Sersha. Sersha. Oh, whoopsies. Sersha Island and running the family's business. Blackwood's Tea Shop, Herbal Tonics, and Tea Leaf Readings. But when the island rooted in folklore and magic begins to show signs of strange happenings, Emery knows that something is coming. The morning she wakes to find the ver- the find that every single tree on Sertia has turned to color in a single night. August returns for the first time in 14 years and unearths the past that the town has tried desperately to forget. There's more. I think that that's like a really cool, like, I mean, it really does kind of detail what I've read of it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think I got super far into it. And it does start off a little bit slow, but it does pick up. And it seems like an overall interesting story. So I picked that one up and I was really excited about it. And then the Hacienda I saw on YouTube. Well, I feel like everywhere, honestly. Right. Yeah, it's shown up a lot. And it's been perfect for spooky season. Mm-hmm. So it's Mexican Gothic meets Rebecca in this debut supernatural suspense novel set in the aftermath of the Mexican War of Independence about a remote house, a sinister haunting, and the woman pulled into their clutches. So, during the overthrow of the Mexican government, Beatrice's father was executed and her home destroyed when handsome Don Rodolfo Solorzano proposes. Beatrice ignores the rumors surrounding his first wife's sudden demise, choosing instead instead to seize the security that the estate in the courtyard provides. Oh, no, that does not say courtyard. (laughs) In the countryside provides. She will have her own home again, no matter the cost. But it is not the sanctuary she imagined. So, I, there's more to that too. But I like leaving things at like this suspense level. Yeah, for um, sure. But they, people who have reviewed it have said that it is a little spooky. Mm-hmm. It is a little suspense. So, I'm excited about that one. You kind of get that feeling from the cover too. Oh, yeah. It's very like wispy and kind of dark yeah. and like... Yeah, it's kind of foreboding with like a... She's just in like, it looks like aloe, so she's just like yeah. in a like desert. Yeah, yeah. With a castle type structure behind her. Right. <laughs> I I only bought one thing. I'll jump in and yeah, throw that in there fine. before we get to our exciting stuff. Um, I, I only bought one thing. I bought a, um, a two-pack of... Uh, of uh, Dan Brown, Angels and Demons, and also um, the Da Vinci Code, the illustrated editions of it, because I had uh, borrowed Felicia's copy of the Angels and Demons that I've been reading, and I got uh, gross food stuff on the cover. Soup. Yeah, I was transporting <laughs> soup, and uh, the super exciting exciting story there but no but it, so I, I felt pretty bad so i went ahead and ordered it but it was fine to be fair like right. it dried it there was no dust jacket on it because when he reads he takes the dust jackets off right so there wasn't even a dust jacket on it 
I dried it up. It didn't smell like soup. I just felt bad. Uh, but, but, but I also, guess I have that coming. But it's but it's <laughs> it's good, though, because the Da Vinci Code Illustrated is going to be in it, too. Which, I mean... You're going to read next. <laughs> I really want to, yeah, because those illustrators, which we'll get to that, I, I've really been enjoying that. But that's, awesome. that's the only thing that I bought so far this month. That's book-wise. probably for the best, because I'm buying enough for the both of us. <laughs> that's true. That's true. At least right now. Well, most times, yeah. All right. Um, you want to go through some stuff you're excited about, though? No. No, like, I'm, uh, I, about what I'm... Co- okay. So, I have already pre-planned what I'm trying to read in mm-hmm. November. I have so many... Because it is nonfiction November, but that's not necessarily what our theme's going to be. Right, don't but spoil I, it. Well, I'm not going to. <laughs> but for nonfiction November, which is not our theme... I'm going to read, um, like, H-Mart, which I'm crying in H-Mart, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really excited for Travis Baldry's book to come out, uh, oh, the... Bone Bookshops and Bone Dust. Yeah, that's the Legends and Lattes guy. Which yeah. I have pre-ordered for the both of us already. Yeah, yeah. And then um, a Fourth Wing Special Edition is coming out, which I right. also pre-ordered. Yep. And Iron Flame, which is the second book to the fourth wing, which I also pre-ordered. And all three of those books are coming out on November 7th. That's funny. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. So I'm really excited about all of those. That's You know, those are three big ones. I mean, I saw some pictures of the fourth wing it's and the so Iron pretty. Flame stuff. Yeah. And obviously, like the Legends and Lattes stuff, I'm really excited about. So yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. You just got to finish reading it and then <coughs> we can talk about it. Yeah, because I read like some pre preview coverage stuff because like he, he self-published I may be getting the story wrong, but I believe he self-published initially, um, and he was putting out bits and pieces of like the unedited manuscript for people to read, um, and I read a lot of it in that form, so I'm assuming a lot of things have changed, and I also read that years ago, um, and then he, I think he self-published, and then I think tour books. Yeah, what's crazy is like TikTok is what got him. Yeah, absolutely. Super popular, right? And then tour. I think it is tour. I believe it's tour. Yeah, they're they're the ones who picked it up. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. It's on our shared shelf somewhere. I can't. Yeah. I'm gonna make too much noise. It's I grab it. <laughs> yeah, but I believe it was tour. Regardless, a publisher picked him yeah. up and was like, "No, we really want to put this in print for under our name now," and they did. So yeah. And but. then we picked it up. Um, and then I read it in like mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like a cozy fantasy in a coffee shop. Like it's like the, retired. Give you a quick premise of that yeah. one. Um, it's about a orc who doesn't want to fight anymore. She's right. she's been a fighter her whole life. Um, she traveled with a the group of people, and she was their fighter for that team. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, she goes to a city and and discovers coffee. Right. And she decides she wants to bring it to this like small little town. She sets up, and it's just like a like a story of introducing coffee to non-coffee people. Right. Which is kind of funny. Yeah, and it is like slice of life, yeah. like workplace type stuff. So, But I'm excited for that, too. I need to read uh, Legends and Lattes, the full thing. Um, I just had a few, uh, just a few exciting things very, very quickly. So um, what kind of got me started on this was... I was actually listening to another book podcast that I listen to quite a bit, Book Reviews Kill, and they mentioned uh, Caliban's War, which is the second book in the um, the Expanse series, which I think there's nine books of those now, uh, is getting a collector's edition that's coming out with sprayed edges on it, um, and that's supposed to be coming out, uh, I think it's yeah December 13th. 
Um, it's priced at 40 pre-order price on Amazon's 36. Uh, it's a really nice cover with like red sprayed edges and a black dust jacket with like a nice, uh, silhouette of a guy standing on Mars basically. Um, and then that got me to looking at some other collector's editions. Um, Leviathan Wakes, which is the first Expanse book, has an even better collector's oh, edition. Nice, yeah. um, it's on sale right now, I think, for like 25 bucks, but it's normally 40 as well. It's on Amazon. Um, and it's got pink sprayed edges. Like hot pink. Yeah, it's like hot pink well, sprayed like Barbie edges. Barbie pink, that's what it is. Right, right. Yeah. And, it, and it contrasts with the cover really well. Mm-hmm. And it just, that one, I think, is even Isn't better. Isn't that the one where that. the cover's like mostly white with mm-hmm. like pink highlights? I think so. Well, there's some blue in there yeah, too, yeah. yeah. Um, but then also, uh, there's a, a Hobbit illustrated edition, uh, that's, a with sprayed edges that has like, I think they're sprayed blue with Elvish characters mm-hmm. in the writing. Absolutely incredible looking edition. I think that came out fairly recently as well. I didn't write the date down for that one, that but so much. that one's beautiful, <laughs> but it's like 75 bucks and it, yeah. it's got a slip case plus hardcover plus a dust jacket. And again, it's the it's the original like illustrations from Tolkien, which I think is the only the first or second time that the Hobbit's ever been published with his illustrations in it. So it's kind of a big deal. I wonder if it's going to be um, shaped like the Cimmerillion mm. and have that similar like yeah structure. Because if that's the case, then I already have that one, and I want the other one too. Right. $75. You're like, well, that would be the thing to tip me over to $75. Well, if I would like a something. new copy of The Hobbit. Right. I only have the movie adaptation, and you know I don't. Oh, well, that isn't. No, you have the no, leather one No, I have the movie too, right? adaptation of the Lord of the Rings series. Mm-hmm. I don't. They didn't have the Hobbit movie at that time, I don't think. Okay, but it was yeah. part of a box set that was a movie cover right and you know i don't like those yeah yeah no i'm not, I'm not crazy <laughs> about those either i thought you had the little leather copy of the hobbit too no you do i thought i know i do yeah, i, I thought i was i was thought you did as well no okay i was imagining that <laughs> all right but that's really the only stuff that i have that i'm like kind of excited for uh, yeah. that's coming up um i haven't been keeping up too much with book news things have been so busy with everything else right. the last couple of weeks and you know getting into october and stuff and you know teaching well, and then and, i got you sick <laughs> We've both been sick, yeah, so if you hear a cough ever so often, I'm, I'm trying to kind of keep them down, but it's... Yeah, uh, I was... I When we were recording our first episode, I think I was just getting <coughs> sick, and then Aaron was adamant. He was like, no, like, I'll take care of you. You won't get sick, or I won't get sick. It'll be fine, and then I started getting better, and he was like, I don't feel good. I Well, <laughs> I don't get sick super easy normally. And I felt fine the entire time you were over right. here. And then it just, as soon as you left, it just like, it hit me. But, <laughs> right. But that, I that's, didn't take my germs with me. I right, left them behind. Right. But that's <laughs> that's why our voices might sound a little bit different and there might be a cough every now and yeah, then. Yeah, you won't know but, what we sound like for a while. <laughs> right, yeah, because both of us, our voices have just been off. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, what have you been reading lately? <laughs> We talked about all the books we bought and the stuff we're excited about and everything. What have you actually been I'm reading? I'm laughing because I have read six out of fourteen of my t- of my TBR mm-hmm. that we announced in the first episode. Yeah. Um. So I have read the Hawthorne Legacy, which is book two in the Her- Inheritance Game series. Um, I it, forgot you read that. Yeah, that was my first book. Yeah, that was very, that was like two days or something, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Or well, really I started quick? it on the. Th- 30th mm. and i finished it on the first i think okay something like yeah. that really each book quick, has right? taken me two days except the one i'm reading now i got you basically okay all right go um, ahead go ahead so inheritance game nope 
Hawthorne Legacy mm-hmm. is uh, puzzles and riddles. Um, they compare. They often compare this whole trilogy to Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a trilogy anymore because now there's a fourth book. Right. Um, but they compare it to Knives Out. If you haven't seen it, um, then think Clue. Like if you're yeah part of the generation that grew up on Clue. Like Very I good am. mystery with like a <laughs> like a smart detective that is just yeah. piecing everything together. And so throughout the entire thing, um, you're trying to. F- figure out this without giving anything away you're trying to figure out this main quest basically mm-hmm. this main puzzle um and the owner of the the original owner of the house has left these clues to people in his will mm-hmm. and so the big mystery needs to be revealed and i assume well it gets revealed partially through the end of this book but then there's another mystery next book, but I don't know right. what, yet, what that is yet. So I gave that one a five. Um, that was, I mean, I really loved the Inheritance Games. Was that the first book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really loved the Inheritance Games when I first read it. Um, and I think that this was good, but it was not as good as the first one. Mm. But because of the series as a whole, it's a five for me. Yeah. Well, do, you, do you think that it kind of mirrors Knives Out and Glass Onion in that way then? Oh, I didn't think about that. I don't know. Or did you like Glass Onion more? I can't no, remember. I like Knives Out more. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, third Knives Out movie, Ryan Johnson's working on it. No way. way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. He said with the writer's strike, he wasn't working on it. And then he said that he's like full force on it. He's already got the plot. Oh down. my gosh, like, that's yeah. so exciting. Oh, yeah. oh, and the Inheritance Game is going to, is it's being adapted. I don't oh, know yeah. if it's being adapted into a show or a movie. I can't remember. I couldn't either. remember, but it is going to be adapted. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It seems like a good one for that. Cause I read it, a lot. The well, the inheritance game, yeah. real quick. That to me, that seems kind of like I don't know. Is it like mystery? Is it does it have any kind of dark academia elements to it, or am I just like no, placing I mean, it on it? I mean, they go to school, mm, okay. but that's yeah. it. I mean, they're it's not like they're at a boarding school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're just in a a mansion that this older guy had. Right. And he leaves it. He leaves his fortune to a stranger. I gotcha. Okay. And then you find out why. Right, right, right. Uh, I also read Murder on the Orient Express by mm-hmm. Agatha Christie. It is my first Agatha Christie novel. Um, this is also adapted into a movie, which I just now counted. Three out of the six mm-hmm. are in production or announced adaptations, That's which is funny. kind of funny. Um, so Murder on the Orient Express... I'll just tell you the basic structure because it it's a pretty well-known <coughs> novel from what I understand. For sure. And if not, there's a movie. But the basic structure is these people are on a train and there's a murder. Mm-hmm. But the structure of the novel is um, it sets up the story. It breaks the novel into sections. It gathers. There's a section on gathering the evidence. There's a section on interrogation. And then there's a section on... Um, like, basically, see, my mom said I said basically too much, and now I'm thinking about it. Oh, no. <laughs> Where the crime gets solved. Yeah. And I can't remember, Pure, P- 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 cannot remember his name, Pure or Puro, or I can't remember that's, how to pronounce it. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is the one that's doing the investigation, and at the end, he solves it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if all of her novels are set up that way. Because mm. if they are, I really like it. Because it, it reads like a police procedural mm-hmm. type of show. Oh, that's Like it funny. almost is like it's set up for a show. Right. So, you know, if, if you ever watch uh, SVU, 
You see them going to the scene of the crime. Then they have to gather the evidence. Then they have to talk to people. And then they're like, dun, dun, dun. You know, like that yeah. music that plays and that's the answer. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a courtroom scene. Right, right, yeah, right. It's very, yeah, it's very methodical But I really structure. liked this one too. So I gave this one a five as well. Nice. Um, I gave out a lot of fives already. Is, do you, this, and we don't have to go on a tangent too much with this, but do you think Agatha Christie, like her work holds up? I do, okay. um, because when I was reading it, it didn't feel, I think this was written in what, like the like 19th, no, later than that. I don't even remember, yeah. This is a really old novel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was written a long time ago, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't give you a time frame. Right. Uh, it, it bases, <laughs> You got it. It, just... <laughs> it sets up a, um... Just a scene on a train. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. say England, 1804. Or, you know, it's just people traveling on a, a train. That's The good, only yeah. thing that's... There are... There is racism. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. there has been racism since the dawn of man, it seems like. <laughs> Unfortunately. To clarify the way that I said... I was like, I was like oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, right. but, but, like, yeah, there's... It was written... It was written by a white woman. Yeah. In nineteen something. Yeah. Early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, early to mid nineteen hundreds is when she was and writing. And it was yeah. during a time where it, it people didn't care. Right. Well, it wasn't as like much of a social issue. Right. At least in like mainstream culture right. at that point. The yeah. only thing. That doesn't hold up as well, which could still be explained away, mm-hmm. would be trying to get information, right? right? So if you're if you're sending away, if you're sending a message to your child, you have to do it through tele telegraph, tele yeah, yeah telegraph. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you could just text them, but <coughs> they were in the mountains during a snowstorm, mm-hmm. so that could be explained away. Well, they don't have cell service because the train has stopped because. It, the the snow fell I and see. they can't yeah. move. So it could be adapted easily yeah. into like a modern setting. Yeah, I looked at it, it was nineteen thirty four by the way. Yeah, so see. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just wondering because like Agatha Christie is one of those authors that I think is fascinating because she has such a legacy. Right. Like she's totally cemented herself as like the godmother of like crime fiction and mysteries and thrillers. Right, and, and some stuff, of the so. sites that we've seen, Agatha Christie sells more novels than the bible has sold right yeah i mean it's like because again like she was super prolific first of all but also like this stuff just really picked up and i that's why i was curious because like i I haven't read any of her novels i obviously i want to really bad it reads quick yeah i really want to read and then there were none i think Mm -hmm. was the title of it that's the one you got yeah that's the one that i got yeah and uh i really want to read that i do think it would read quick but it feels like one of those like old school page turners but i was just curious your take on that because she's just such a fascinating figure in literature so absolutely and it it, well you're the one that that told me how much you like um closed door Mm -hmm. closed door dramas basically yeah oh i love it and it 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 really just takes place completely on a train yeah uh i love an isolated space where there's like a problem to solve and then there's like a like bodies, 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 or, oh, yeah. or even even uh, Glass Onion mm-hmm. was very much that way. Um, yeah, yeah. To tie it back to that, uh, I also read. Uh, see, this is gonna be a little long because I read six books. No, you're good. <laughs> I also read Ten Thousand Doors of January. It is a portal fantasy, and if you don't know what that is, it's 
This one is just doors to other worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you the the girl that's in it. Her name is January, and she discovers <coughs> that there, like she she walked through a door one day, and the ground looked different than on the other side of the door, mm. and that's what got her curiosity going. And throughout the entire novel, she's discovering that the world that she thought mm-hmm. is not the only world that there is right which i loved this novel yeah oh yeah i don't like historical fiction but i do tend to gravitate towards historical fantasy mm-hmm. and this is what that was uh if you've read anything by sean and mcguire it, it kind of reads that way as well uh the wayward series especially every every heart every of doorway yeah is also a portal fantasy and also with doors and also, when you go through the doors, it's it's just like a whimsical world. Ton of or, yeah, there's a lot. And but this one, this one, um, the Wayward series reads more YA, and this one definitely read more adult. Mm. Uh, oh, another thing that I discovered while I was reading this was the website DoesTheDogDie.com. Oh yeah, because in this novel. <laughs> A dog does get abused, uh-huh. and I needed to know if this dog died. Because if this dog died, right. I was not going to finish this novel. And that site gives 180 plus trigger warnings for all kinds of novels. When I typed in 10,000 Doors of January, it did pop up every single trigger warning that could possibly be in this book. And it tells you how many other people also reported that as a trigger warning mm. because it is uh, crowdsourced. Right. That's great. So I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. Because if there's a book that I'm just, and I don't, I don't get triggered really easily, mm-hmm. but I can't handle a dog dying. Yeah. <laughs> I will not. No, it's tough. I wish I would have known that before that cat book that I read uh, last oh, month. But it's that one was so obscure that I wonder if it would have even been on there. We need to check it later. I don't know. I need to put it on there. But yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> that's fair. All right, go that's ahead. fair. So I you know, that that's not necessarily my recommendation, but use it as a source because Right. If you do get triggered, that would be really helpful. For sure. But I mean I like I said, I don't there's not a lot that really gets me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can push through, power through, read a lot without getting too... Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something about, like, animals. There's an innocence yeah. to it. I think that's the that's the reason why it's well, such an issue. So, for and I people. am going to ruin just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets beat up by grown men mm-hmm. and thrown off a cliff. Jesus. Right, so I needed to that's know. A, that's a lot. He does yeah. not die. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah he doesn't die. It's, it's fine. It's not fine, but at least he's alive. Right. Right. Not, <laughs> Through the whole book too. Not, not fine, but he didn't die. <laughs> right. He point. didn't yeah. die, and that's all I needed to know at the time. Right. And I didn't feel like that spoiled anything for me. No. no. <laughs> it, it, Good. In fact, it made me finish the novel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tomorrow and tomorrow tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Uh-huh. I actually did finish it. Oh. Um, it was. You're like the first person. Whatever. It was a lot. I would definitely look up trigger warnings for this because if I listed all of the trigger warnings that I can think of that might affect people, mm-hmm. it would be, I would give so much away. Right. But on the surface, it seems like it's about two people, uh, two best friends who decide they want to make a video game. Right. That's the, the main premise 
and that's how it starts out reading. But then you find out that um, they both had troubling childhoods. They both uh, kind of are suffering as college kids. And then you also <coughs> you also discover the the problems with the video game industry, mm-hmm. which I knew that there were a lot of problems, but seeing them in novel form yeah. kind of helps you relate to them a little bit more because you're reading about it. And the one that it seems that this was really well researched mm-hmm. because uh, it, it there were things that we've talked about. Yeah. You know, we've talked about women in the video game industry. We've talked about fanatical people in the video game industry yeah. and how it's it's where is the line between what's real and what's not real and what's game and what's not game. Right. Um which is like right up my alley personally. Yeah. I mean I mean I it, that's one of those few things that it's just like I have a probably unhealthy amount of knowledge about is like the video game industry and it's something that i follow pretty closely right. even though like I'm, I'm don't ever plan on being in the video game industry <laughs> but you mentioned a lot of stuff that was in that book that is exactly the things that we talked about like the yeah. racism sexism within the video game industry the different depictions of well, different homophobia, people and, yeah or, like there was a lot so um some of the things that were in there were identity mm-hmm. because one of the characters doesn't feel Asian enough or mm. white enough, and that I can relate. Right. <laughs> you know, I got you. Um, the the woman who is part of the the pairing that does the video game industry feels overshadowed by the fact that she is doing a video game with a man, and she's contributing equally, if not more, mm-hmm. and she's still getting slighted. Right. They're assuming identity. They're assuming that. Um, you know, he's the one that did all the work, and he's the mastermind, and he's the face, and he's this, and he's that. Mm-hmm. When she built the 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 game engine, right? Um, it also focuses on how people deal with trauma, mm-hmm. and how people deal with grief, and how those things can be different across a wide spectrum mm. of people, uh, place, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I just want to make sure that's all I'm talking about with that. I could talk about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow forever. Yeah. <laughs> because I still need to write a review about it. I put a lot of notes in it. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. It made me cry. I sat with it for a really long time after. It, it feels like one of those really important books for like a modern era. And especially if you have ever tried to start any type of creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's like a must read. Yeah, and it is literary. I will go ahead and, and right. throw that out there first. Um, it does take some time to get into. Mm-hmm. And I did do a lot of pauses, which I don't normally do. Right. Normally I speed through books. And then I'm done. But this one, I was like, okay, let me close this book for a minute. (laughs) Okay, let me think about this chapter for a minute. Oh, well, let me read this paragraph to Aaron. (laughs) Right, yep. So there was a lot of moments like that. And then when I finished it, I I closed it and I sat with my hands on it. Mm -hmm. That that whole thing where it's like, huh. Right. And and that's how it. That's literally how I finished. I could that book. see. I could see your brain every time that you were reading it here around me. I could just see the right. gears turning, just watching you read it. Yeah. That that is out of the six books that I read so far. That is my favorite mm. for the month. Okay. Um, it is 
probably top five for the the year. Nice. Um, if and not you, top ten. And you've read a lot of good stuff this yeah, year. Yeah, I I am impressed with what I've mm-hmm. picked up this year. A lot I'm, of good I'm stuff. I'm really excited about it. Two more. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> this is another one of those that uh, was about identity um, and specifically Asian identity. It's on Earth. We're briefly gorgeous by Ocean Fong. Erin mm-hmm. uh, got me this for Pride Month for mm-hmm. our Pride Month swap, and I just didn't really get into it yet. And I knew it was going to be heavy, and I feel like I don't know why, but I feel like heavy books. I I go ahead and just do for like colder seasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's about a man who writes a letter to his mom who is Vietnamese and she can't read in English. And it's semi-autobiographical. Um, Ocean Vong is, is Vong? Vong mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Ocean Vong is Vietnamese. Um, he is usually a poet. Mm-hmm. Like he, this is his debut novel. And it it's very lyrical. Mm-hmm. It, I sat with this one a lot too, so that's why I'm struggling to talk about it. Because there's a lot of moments where I needed to stop and kind of compose myself in order to keep continuing because it is about a man trying to fit in while also dealing with the mental illness of his family members Mm -hmm. because they have uh, schizophrenia, his mom and his grandmother, and they both were alive during the Vietnam War, so they also have PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... It's a lot of finding his own identity. <laughs> I think a lot and, is just the best way to put that. Yeah, yeah it's it was a lot. so much. Yeah, um, it is being adapted by a twenty. Well, a twenty four bought the rights to adapt it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's no any. There's no news on it. No mm-hmm. casting or anything like that. If anybody's going to adapt it well, it's going to be a twenty four. Yeah, no, they're the best. <clears throat> um, but oof, even just thinking, <coughs> even just thinking about the book now, I'm. Like getting a little like choked up about it. <laughs> yeah, it it seemed like one of the harder reads that you had this month I, so far. That was the only time where I read another book. Yeah. Every other book this month, I read all the way through without really putting down. This is one where I read a few chapters. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not really broken up into chapters. I read pages, got to a good stopping point, picked up something else. Yeah. So I don't blame you. And and the fact that. I read Tomorrow, 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 which deals with Asian identity. And then immediately read On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous, which deals with Asian identity. Uh, was a lot. But then on top of that, uh, On Earth, We Were Briefly Gorgeous, dealt with schizophrenia. And the last book I read, the most recent book I read, was A Head Full of Ghosts, which also deals with schizophrenia. Yep. Yep. Um, that was one that you gave me for our October trade. Mm-hmm. It's a Paul Tremblay book. Um, yeah, that yeah. one that one was a lot also. <laughs> yeah, you seemed the most conflicted on that one. Like, you seemed like you enjoyed it, but you were kind of like, I don't really know what's going on here. Right. And like, it was the most yeah. confusing. Um, it's about, well, if you listen to the first episode, it's about a girl who has schizophrenia, but her family thinks that she's possessed by a demon and they're really poor because of all the treatments, and so they allow a reality, quote unquote, TV show, to be produced mm-hmm. about them. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So all of these so far, I gave a five star to. 
This is the only one I gave a four star to because I finished the book very conflicted. I'm not sure if she was faking it the whole time. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of a lot. Um, I, I'll I'll say a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's a a blog. There's a few blog pages that you read, and it feels like the blog pages are telling you what you're supposed to have learned mm. while the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost like the author was like, if you didn't get it, here's what it's it what it is. Right. But I don't know that that's necessarily, but it, it's what it felt like. But I don't know if that's necessarily what it was supposed to be. Right. I understand. If you are familiar with um, horror movies, you will see a lot of references to what she does because she also knows a lot about horror movies. Mm-hmm. The the girl who's possessed knows about horror movies. So you'll see references, but head full of ghosts just means that she's schizophrenic. Right. She sees a lot. You know, she hears voices. She talks to people. That That's what they're implying. And then on top of that head full of ghosts means she has all these horror movies in her head. Mm -hmm. So she's emphasizing those. And as the reader, you also know these references. So you also have a head full of ghosts. Right. Which that that alone is what bumped it to a four star for me. Yeah. Kind of a meta. I was in the three star zone until I was like, oh, that's a good title. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that was a risky pick that I got for you. Um, yeah, because, I liked it overall. Well, that's good, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, Paul Tremblay, you know, we talked about it a little bit last episode, but The Cabin at the End of the World, um, That's that was... I watched that movie, and I have right. that book. And I started to read the book. I haven't got back to it yet. Yeah. yeah, but that that was one of those where also, from what I understand, the ending of the book's a little different than the movie, but it's still one of those where you kind of don't know right. what it, was true and what wasn't. The entire thing was like a battle between like science and religion. A little bit, And I yeah. cannot tell if it's <coughs> pro-science or mm. pro-religion. Yeah. Yeah, because Paul Tremblay seems to be fascinated with those themes right. of like where the line is between science, religion, where the line is between spirituality and, yeah, humanitarianism yeah. and things like that. I mean, that. I, could, I could go on a deep dive of that whole book and tell right. you everything that I can think and feel and the yeah. parts where I was like, huh, <laughs> but right. I would spoil so much. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's an interesting one. I kind of want to read it too. I like Paul Tremblay's I think you should. writing pretty well. I think it, I think it reads are, pretty like decently. A, I will warn you, there are a few really gross spots. Oh yeah. Well, it's horror. At yeah. The end of the day. And yeah. It, it's so gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he writes some pretty graphic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, he's he's. Into it's not that. the grossest stuff I've read, but I mean, if you've watched The Exorcist, right? It it's a lot of that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, um, that, so that, that everything is, you finished? That's everything I finished. Six books total. <laughs> yeah. And what are you What are you reading now again? Malice? I am reading Malice by John Gwynn. Oh, this one I am only on page uh, one thirteen. Mm-hmm. This one is the one that's taking me the longest to read. Well, it's a thick book. Well, right, but I'm only page 113, and that's not normally where I would be. Uh-huh. Uh, I can read 160 pages a day. Well, there's like 20 characters with names that are almost identical. I have to put sticky notes 
on each chapter <coughs> uh, detailing what happened in that chapter. Yeah. Just to keep up with the characters. Right. Uh, I think I've I think I've gotten six characters so far. Mm-hmm. But there are more character names that start with a V than exists in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's some that start with C. Uh, there's a lot that start with C. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah. And I couldn't even remember some of the names as I was telling you the story earlier. I do like it, which it doesn't sound like I do. Right. Let me preface this by saying I really do like it because it is building a world. Yeah. This is the first book in a four-book series. I think it's only four. Yeah. Yeah, this is four. Right. This is the first book in a four-book series. And it's his debut book. Right. So overall, I really like it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to tie together well because otherwise there wouldn't have been four books. Right. I just have to get introduced to all the characters first. It's and that lot. was the part that was a little difficult. It's a lot. I mean, for a debut author to be writing s- such a vast cast of yeah. characters, I think that there's going to be some stumbles. Like right. you, you just have to kind of go Well, and it it's that. a world where there's multiple kings mm-hmm. and then a... King of Kings. Right. So oh, anytime. Jesus <laughs> no, Game of Thrones. Got it. <laughs> so anytime there's. Anytime that that's a thing, you're going to get confused. Mm-hmm. Because, especially if you don't know that necessarily going in, um, King of So and So. We just introduced. We just got introduced to a king. Right. Oh no, this is King of a Different Land. And then you understand. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like it so far. That's good. I yeah. am not going to pick up the second book right away. No, I don't um, blame you. I right. have a goal to reach, and that is not going to help me get my goal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it seems a little. It seems like it slows things down a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. That is going to. This is my densest book uh-huh. so far of this month, and I think yeah. it'll be the hardest one to read overall I for think the month. That's fair, though. Yeah. What are you reading? Um. Yeah. So I've only finished one book. Like I said, I've been pretty busy, and I read slow anyway. So, like, I think I put six books on my October mm-hmm. TBR. I finished one, and I'm kind of in the middle of two others. Um, start with the one that I finished is the Convenience Store Woman book. Um, I was really looking forward to this one. Real short book. I read it fast. I read it really quick, yeah. Um, and it's uh, it, it was good. I gave it four stars. It's one of those that I'm still kind of sitting with as well, because, I mean, I've talked to you about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's complicated. It's a weird book. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about it. Um whether or not it's like pro capitalist or whether it's like right. what it so the basic idea of this book and I'm going to try not to spoil too much stuff um <clears throat> is that there's a young woman who clearly has some issues with kind of socializing she doesn't understand social cues well she's having trouble finding purpose in her life until she gets a job as a convenience store worker and she is just a part-time worker not even management position or anything like that. And she is essentially finding purpose in her entire life by being a convenience store worker. Um, it, the Stocking the shelves, rotating out the items, uh, keeping stuff prepped for different seasons of the year, trying to keep an uh, kind of keep tabs on the neighborhood to see how the neighborhood is changing and how that might change their customer base every single element of her life is tailored to this job and that job gives her purpose. It gives her drive. It encourages her to take care of her personal health, her mental health and all those things so that she can do this job. 
Um, that doesn't really give away too much that her character is developed out in that way within like the first like 20 pages of the book or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but the essential... Per- like 150 pages though. Right. Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's I think it's like 200. Oh, okay. I think it is, yeah. It seems so short. <laughs> it's a small book, yeah. But um, the general plot though is a lot of her working in the store, but there's a guy that starts working there that has a very different mindset than she does and he wants to re- he wants to get away from society um and then that creates some turmoil in her life as they're both trying to like reconcile like what the purpose in life is and it's a lot about social pressures um because it, it is a book set in japan um and i'm not gonna try to act like i know everything about japanese culture or anything like that but it is a very community-oriented culture, from what I understand. It is very much about like working together, creating a society that works well. It doesn't favor individualism very much. Um, and that's why a lot of Japanese art tends to focus on individualism. And it tends to be a little bit more extreme or a little bit more kind of uh, outrageous in some way. So it's her trying to deal with these social pressures and these things while still working this job that is not seen as the most socially acceptable job for a woman of her age in that society, while also trying to deal with this new co-worker that has a completely opposite kind of mentality towards towards a society overall. Um, <coughs> it's very good. Um, it is really heavy. Um, it is a book that has been translated, so it, it, some stuff, you know, might not translate directly, uh, and it is very, a deeply Japanese book. Um, it is very culturally specific to a lot of Japanese customs and culture and things like that. Um, so it is something that you need maybe a little bit of background or at least a little bit of patience to try to understand it going into it. And at the end of the book, there's an essay by the author uh, that is sort of an ode to convenience stores and her experience in convenience stores. And my number one issue with the book is that I was not entirely sure if it was celebrating the type of life where you make your job your entire life or if it was attempting to kind of challenge the notion that you need to fit into society. It seems like all the praise that I saw says that it's the latter, that it is more about challenging the notion you have to fit in, not being part of society, not just being a cog in the machine, celebrating awkwardness and individualism. And there are a lot of elements of that. But I think my problem is that the way that she rebels against society and breaks from society is by becoming part of a job where it is very clear that they are using her to turn massive amounts of profit and again making she's very good at her job she's like the best convenience store worker you could ever imagine i mean just a little thing to highlight that on her off days she walks around town and like pays attention to like the new buildings that are being erected and the new uh offices that are shutting down and stuff like that she also kind of stakes out other convenience stores on her days off to see if any of those are getting close to shutting down or seeing if they're carrying new products that they might need or that might help get in more customers. I, when I, whenever I say every second of her life is dedicated to this job, I mean literally. Like She dreams about the sounds of this store. Um, every day, like even on off days, sometimes she will go into that store if she needs to calm her mind and go do work off the clock right. to do that. So I I have some issues with that because I don't know if it's like celebrating 
that type of lifestyle, which I think is horribly unhealthy. So um, our job should not be our entire lives. That should just be one portion of our life. So, but again, good book though. I do have a quick question. Yeah. Maybe this might help. Yeah. How do you rate, like what, what qualifies a one, two, three, four, five star? That's a that's a big question. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I can I can no I can I can give a little breakdown. I guess I think a one star is something that I don't see like any kind of value in. I don't think that I don't think that people I don't believe that most people would enjoy it. I don't think that it, I think a one star book is something that the average person would pick up and read and not get anything out of it. Or maybe even actively harmful in mm-hmm. some way that it actually has negative messages and a negative themes and things like that that are actually harmful for people. Uh, a two star would be just kind of like a step above that a little bit. Like I can see that there would be an audience for it and I see some benefits and there's some interesting stuff in there and it's written in a way that's kind of stylistically pleasing to me. Three star, again, one step above that. I could see people getting a lot out of it. I got like something. Like it was good. Yeah, I got something out of it myself. Mm-hmm. Something about it stuck with me, and it was, you know, an enjoyable reading experience. Four stars is whenever I get to that level where I'm like, okay, this is very well written. This is very engaging. It's very thought provoking. There's a lot of good material. There's good entertainment in this. It's going to stick with me for a good while. And five stars is just that extraordinary. I'm probably going to think about this at least once a month, probably for the rest of my life, because it's just such a good book that I think that everybody should read because they will get something from it. It will be beneficial in some way. So, Convenience for Women was a four because it it felt slightly harmful. Possibly, but maybe not. I mean, I could see that if someone read it without a certain level of critical thinking mm-hmm. that they could definitely read the main theme as like, Oh yeah. Like I just have to find a job that I'm good at, that I'm good at, that I enjoy and then just stick with that. And it's like, no, they're going to fire you if they have to, and they will replace you in five seconds. Right. Like most jobs don't care enough about you to take care of you to that level. Um, as she even mentions in the book at one point, and this is why it's so complicated because it seems like they do critique these things sometimes, but they also celebrate them. So there's a point in the book, and again, not really a major spoiler or anything, um, where she mentions that uh, that her job, one of her managers says something like, uh, we pay you just enough so that you can take care of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can buy enough food to take care of yourself and pay your bills, but just enough to do that so that you will be able to stay healthy enough to do this job. And then she realizes that once people hit a certain age, if they're not moving up to management or something, that they start cutting them out because they're no longer useful in that working position because the manager refuses to hire an older person that has some issues with their back because he says that he wouldn't be able to do the job at the level that they need them to. So she does reflect on, well, what's going to happen to me once I'm older? They're just going to get rid of me and replace me, and then I have nothing to show for it. I don't have a retirement. I don't have any other purpose in life. So she does have moments where she reflects on it, and I think that's important but she never, again, the book never goes fully in that direction. It seems more like it's concerned with celebrating people's oddities rather than addressing the fact that, like, this is an unhealthy way. You can't get all of your purpose for living 
out of one element of your life. Right. I mean, it, it, I constantly was thinking about like someone who gets into a romantic relationship where they're like, if this person leaves me, I will die. Right. Like I think about it like that, and, and it it's was like worse because it was a job. Right, and it's like it's like that. That's so unhealthy because if you're gonna completely lose your sense of self and purpose from losing a job or a significant other or a family member or something like that, then you need to work on finding purpose in multiple things. That way you don't get completely shattered as soon as you lose something, especially something like a job, especially something like a part-time convenience store job. I mean, it's not the most stable position. Right. Yeah. So again, very complex book. I've got a lot of feelings and thoughts on it. I do recommend it. Um, especially if you like, uh, you know, translated books, um, especially if you like a little bit more literary, but like odd, quirky, sort of mundane as well. Um, and just stories that are just different, just something like it's realistic. It's reality. It's not fantasy. It's not sci-fi or anything like that, but it is very like, it's very different. It's very quirky. It's very odd. So I do recommend it to an extent. But again, those caveats are there and, and you know, those little hang-ups that I had with it. <coughs> so the two books that I'm currently reading, I'm reading uh, Dark Places by Gillian Flynn. Still reading that. I think I read maybe 100 pages of it this month. Maybe not. I don't know. I, maybe, I think you have. I'm a touch over halfway through that book. Uh, that book's tough for me. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with it. It's dense. The way that it's written is very descriptive. It's very detailed. It's a style that doesn't immediately click with me right now. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm struggling with you're it. You're definitely quite a mood a bit. writer and this or reader, and this is not. Yeah, the, yeah. You're not in the mood. There's something about this book that is just it's it's dragging me down. Well, and the content is dense, but also like the entire <coughs> page, like you're, it's printed from left to right, top yeah. to bottom. The margins non-stop. are the margins like are thin. Point five margins. And there's not a lot of dialogue either, right. so it's like thick paragraphs of text. Again, I enjoy it, and I would recommend it as well for people who are kind of into that type of book. But uh, it, it, it is a good kind of like mystery, thriller-type crime novel, and I do enjoy it, but it's it's just such a slow read. Every time I pick it up and I read for 30 minutes, I feel like I should have read twice as much <laughs> as I have, and it's just discouraging. But um, And then the last one that I'm currently reading is uh, Angels and Demons, the Dan Brown book, reading the illustrated edition that I mentioned earlier. I've only got about 100 pages of it left. I enjoy that book quite a bit. Um, I'm really, really getting into that one uh, a lot more than some of these other ones for sure. Um, And yeah, I mean, it moves well. It, It seems like it was shot to be like a, like a, or written to be a film, um, or a TV show. It seems like it just has so many scene breaks that are cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Like every chapter feels like, oh, okay, this is rolling over into like like where's it fade to black? Yes, open up in, in exactly, a new scene. and it opens up in a new location. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're following the bad guy now. Maybe we're following the news reporters now. Maybe we're following you know Langdon and his you know group that they're trying to solve these murders or prevent these murders. It really feels like you're watching a film, and it is paced incredibly well. Yeah, so. and there's a reason why they're all adapted, I think. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I and I love the illustrated edition, because any time that there's like a location that they're talking about, like in the Vatican, mm-hmm. they'll have a photograph of that location. And, it, and 
It is so deeply embedded in art and art history and technology and science that having those kind of interspersed illustrations, it does wonders for this book. It does make the book heavier, like literally heavier. Oh, yeah, because it's on photo paper. Um, yeah. And it does make it longer. It's like a coffee table size book, <laughs> the, the edition we have. But it is not one to read in bed holding <coughs> over your head. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I, and I, I don't think I would enjoy this book as much as I am if I was reading just the standard copy of it. I would think I would still like it a lot, mm-hmm. but I do think the illustrations lend so much more to this. Yeah, so it, that one is one I actually read this year again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, li- well, I listened to it. Right. And it's such an interesting thing, having seen the movie, having physically read the book, but I didn't read the illustrated version. Right. Or maybe, nope, this is the third time I've read it. I read the original, just like <coughs> mass paperback printed original. Mm-hmm. I did read the illustrated version. Yeah. And then I listened to it on, from Libby this year. And I, I assigned Aaron 10 books that he needed to read this year. And this is one of the few that I remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it it's just every time, every single way I've read it has been enjoyable. Yeah. But I do, you're right about the illustrated edition. It's just so much better. There was I, something lacking when I was just listening to it. It's so much better. And the text even looks better on the page. Right. Because it's like, yeah. It's, it's a nice font for each yeah, chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain how much of a difference that makes. But it also makes it feel like it moves faster. Yeah. Whenever I sit, <coughs> that book is... That book is the absolute opposite of Dark Places. Right. Whenever I sit down and read that book, I read about twice as fast as I expect to be reading it. Yeah. But I absolutely plan on finishing that one um, by the end of the month. Hopefully by the end of the week. Right. Um, Maybe a I few hope. days. Yeah, if I have time. But um, So that's all that I've been reading. Um, we also, uh, as this kind of like a part of this middle of the month episode, we wanted to do kind of some rapid fire recommendations uh, of some spooky books that we've enjoyed in the past and stuff that we would like to recommend for people to read. Um, we're not going to go into too much detail with these, but we, we just want to throw out some recommendations. Yeah. So, um, um, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I'll just, I'll knock mine out okay. just in case I have a coughing fit or something. Um, so mine are pretty quick. I only have four of them. Uh, I, you know, a classic one, uh, Dracula, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I have to recommend Dracula. I mean, even I, I think that it would probably still hold up. I read it not too, too long ago, like, well, several years I ago. Don't but I have read that one. It's very good. It's it's like in letter form. Most of it, if not all of it, is in letters. Um, and it is, it's a very good story. Creepy, eerie, good dialogue, good atmosphere, setting, all of that stuff. I mean, it's... That's also what's what's like set the basis for vampire movies today. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's super good. I still think it's super good, but that, that's my first recommendation. Um, second one, uh, build your house around my body, the Violet Cooper Smith <laughs> novel. That's, that's my favorite horror novel. Um, that, you know, we, we talked about this, uh, a little bit. That one is you, you were reading me segments of that whenever yeah. you were reading it. That one is so creepy. It's very creepy. It's atmospherically creepy. Yeah, there's a lot of body horror, yeah. like a lot of body horror, um, but it's it's very, very good and very thoughtful, a lot of thematic stuff. Some of my favorite horror is stuff that like mirrors social issues or has like commentary on real world issues, and that book absolutely does that. Um, it, it's like the perfect definition of that. Um, the next one I'll recommend is uh, Annihilation, the Jeff Vandermeer novel. Um 
I, we, again, I'm supposed to read Authority this month because that's the next novel that I uh, drew out of my mm-hmm. bag for my random TBR. Um, Annihilation's great. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, the movie's really good as well. Uh, but the book is excellent. It's like it's kind of cosmic horror. It's uh, kind of Lovecraftian. Again, a lot of body horror, but it's it's very good, creepy atmosphere. Fairly short and kind of a quick read, honestly. Um, and then my last one uh, is actually a book of short stories. It's called Stephen King Goes to the Movies. I had to recommend a Stephen King book, and I was like, well, I've read a few Stephen King books, full-length novels, but I think his short stories are excellent. And the Stephen King Goes to the Movies is very good. I don't hear enough people talk about it. It's a collection of short stories that were published in other collections that he put out. Um, But each short story is one that has been adapted into a film. And then he has like a short little essay after each of them where he reflects on the film version of it and gives his thoughts on if he enjoys the film version or his experiences with it or just comments on it in some way. And he's a huge fan of movies. Uh, He always has been. That's what like inspired him to start writing is how much he loved film. So his thoughts on it are fascinating, especially since like he famously hates a lot of the film adaptations of his books. Um, I didn't know that. Especially a lot of the ones that people like, like The Shining, the Kubrick movie. He like hates it. He says so much bad stuff about it all the all the time. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't like a lot of adaptations of his work, but you know, it makes him money. I mean, that makes sense too, though, because I can't imagine somebody would enjoy something that they've spent sometimes years on getting chopped up and, and mass marketed. For sure. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, he's on set for a lot of these too. So his input is being... Yeah, I mean, because he, he, he collaborates disgusting. with a lot of them, yeah, and he, he seems to have some issues with it. But it, it sounds like he's, like, hopeful as mm-hmm. it's being made, but once he sees the final product, he's never... He's like, cool. Yeah, he's I never super happy about it. Yeah, yeah, so there's that. But those are my recommendations, just a couple of quick ones there. Again, um, I think the Stephen King one is the one that I would recommend the strongest if you're looking to just get okay. short quick scary stories that are you know maybe a little bit recognizable but yeah so i am going to start with a stephen king um the only stephen king novel that i have read is misery but it's so good um and i didn't want to do with my recommendations i didn't want to do like full horror or or full like creepy Mm -hmm. misery is that good in between it's definitely one that does fit in this like spooky season uh it it's it's more suspenseful yeah. and thrilling than it is horror, but it is still spooky because Annie Wilkes is nuts. Yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the greatest villains Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I have Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, uh, which is kind of funny because anytime we talk about classics, you always talk about Dracula and I always talk about Frankenstein and yeah. they are very similar classics. Right. I mean, they're monster stories. Right. Uh, but I love Frankenstein. If they have a sprayed edge version of Frankenstein, that's probably the only other one that I'll ever get because at this point I have five editions and I don't need any more. Right. Um, but I'll find one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. It is a jungle book retelling, but with ghosts. Mm. It is a middle grade book, um, but it doesn't necessarily read like a middle grade. And it it's just a really good story. There are some creepy moments 
there are obviously ghosts, but there's also some heartwarming, heart, mm-hmm. heartwarming, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking of, heartwarming moments too, because, I mean, these ghosts love this little boy, right. just like the jungle animals did with, with Mowgli, Mowgli. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that I'm going to recommend is a manga series, it's Death Note, mm. it's also an anime and a movie. Right? Is it an anime or is it just a movie? It no, just they, a movie. no, they made a live action movie. And, well, they made an anime show and they yeah. made a live action movie. Yeah. So, if you don't know what that's about, there's a notebook. You write somebody's name in it. They're dead. Yeah. Like, that, that's, they die, that's the they pretty, die of a heart attack. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, there are like creatures that mm-hmm. are drawn really well if you read it and done pretty well if you just watch it. Um, the movie is fine. It's, it's no, it's, it's bad. I was I gonna say mediocre, but I, that seemed mean. <laughs> no, no, it's like it's like actively bad. Well, I and think. I think they're redoing it. Probably, I mean, because um, it's such a popular story. It was yeah. whitewashed. Yes. Uh, and it's a full. It's a po- I mean, it. It's a manga, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it needs to have more Asians in it. <laughs> yeah, and and it also just like they butchered the story. Yeah. in twelve different ways. Well, um, like it's who a, was the one that played Nat Wolf? No, I was trying to think of who played, and I can't even think of the main Ryuk? creatures in it. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember who William played William Defoe. Was I think. it? Yeah, he did a re- really really good job, and people kind of praised that, from what I understand, but. Overall, I did not like I, the movie. I thought it was terrible. I mean, <laughs> I really did. I watched it and I could barely get through it. But the manga is amazing, and I have the all black editions um, that Aaron got me a while back. Yeah, thirty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, four point six on IMDb. Sorry, go ahead. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> the last one I'm going to recommend is Odd Thomas hmm. by Dean Koontz. Uh, it's about a boy who can, well, teenager, I think is what he is, who can see ghosts and commune with ghosts. It's also been adapted it's an entire series i've only read the first book mm-hmm. um but it's been adapted into a movie the movie is not bad right um it, it, it is pretty close to the book now my mom's gonna say i say um a lot because i have said that a lot yeah. oh, man. i just like how you're so so she's made me really self-conscious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> i know you're gonna listen to this on the way to work that's great <laughs> but yeah i mean mine i i really i knew that you've read a lot of like actual horror and I haven't, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to do a different spooky route. I think. I think that's good. Yeah, and I and I don't know if I've read that much horror. I mean, I've read like I said a decent amount of Stephen King stuff. Right, um, and then that like, Build Your House Around My Body you've read. Yeah, of course. And yeah. Annihilation is definitely horror. Like, yeah, your literary and your sci-fi mm-hmm. ends up being horror. <laughs> A lot of whereas, cases, yeah. Whereas yeah. mine is not. <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. Also, just throw out two more classics just because I, I have this nice set that I've had for a long time of Dracula and Frankenstein. And the other two are Picture of Dorian Gray and Dr. And Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll yeah. and Mr. Hyde. Those two are also excellent. Dorian Gray, I would say more objectively, is the better one of those other than Frankenstein. Um, but Jekyll and Hyde, I think is super underrated. It's a very short book. You could ease, I can easily read that in a day. Um, but it's, it's very good. I think it's really underrated, but yeah, just a couple there. Really a lot of manga is going to be a good spooky recommendation. I feel like. Right. Unless it's that like more Shonen Jump versus what's the one that was. Shoujo Beat. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kaiju number eight was a recommendation. I was looking up like spooky things to read, right. and Kaiju Number Eight was one of them. 
one of the best manga I've read in ever, probably. Yeah, it's a really um, good one. If and it's still an ongoing series, whereas Death Note is completed. Yeah. If you're interested in manga at all and you do not know what Kaiju Number Eight is, you need to check it out. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. But I, I always I always recommend Death Note for anybody getting into manga Absolutely. because it's a little bit more Western in mm-hmm. its like themes and its tone and its style. So it's right. more approachable for people who are not looking to get directly into manga. Right, not super complex. It's not super complex, and there's only 12 volumes of it, and then it's done. I mean, it's... It and it, it's good. a different art style, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. It's drawn really well. It's, it's not too many shots. Like, there is some manga that's overdrawn that is harder to keep up with, and I sure. feel like that's one of those ones where it's like... Yeah. Easy to look at too. Yeah. This this it's the most approachable. If you've never read a manga, I think Death Note is the way to yeah. go. But then I would recommend getting into some more some more Japanese things yeah. other than Death Note. I mean Death Note's Japanese, but like again, it's very western in its kind of tone. Well, and it's mass market now too. <coughs> yeah. Um I I like ones that aren't easily accessible as far as like I can just watch. Right. A version of it. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's something that I've noticed that I'm For leaning sure. towards more. Yeah. Well, we might have to do an episode on manga or something yeah. at some point. But um, was that is that all the rapid fire recommendations? Yeah, that's all I had. I only okay. had five. All right. Well, I mean, we've covered a lot, and we are running, you know, decent length episode <laughs> right. here. So. Um, at the end of every episode, we like to give a couple recommendations of things that are not necessarily book related. Right. Um, because we do other things than just read. Sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to give a couple, we're going to give a couple recommendations on those things. And then, uh, we'll kind of tell you how you can keep track of us and all that stuff as well. Uh, not in a creepy way. Um, <laughs> please don't yeah. keep track of us in a creepy way. <laughs> right. Uh, but do you want to do your recs first or do you want to make Um, yeah, on? I was, I, my first recommendation is going to be the Tasty app. Mm. Uh, I did a one pan, well, it's supposed to have been a one pan honey garlic chicken. I just did the honey garlic chicken portion of it. Mm-hmm. It You can add, you find a recipe that you like, you can save it, you can watch a video on it. It has the full recipe. You can add the items to your grocery cart. You can build your grocery cart. Like it's powered, some of them are, are powered through Walmart. Right. And so it builds your Walmart grocery cart, tells you how much it'll cost. And then tells you what the servings are. It's pretty crazy. I loved yeah. it. And really it came good. out really well. Like it was, they were the directions. Nope. Recipe. It's a recipe. The recipe was easy to follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely would make uh-huh. it again. You have, um, there's all kinds of recipes. There's drink recipes, desserts. You can narrow by what kind of meal you want. You can narrow by what kind of meat you have. Yeah. Um, it, it, and you can send the recipe to your friends. It's re- it's great. It the really is great. only other thing that I want to briefly mention is the pink stuff, which is cleaning stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't exactly know what's in it, but I do know that it is, abra- it is abrasive, so it could scratch. However, it gets up the craziest stuff. And I just wanted to briefly talk about that because I love it so much. <laughs> The, those are the most non-book <laughs> recommendations. Whenever I, I say, whenever literally I, was trying to think of what do I do that's not book related. Right. I eat and I clean. The la- <laughs> the last like two weeks, yeah, especially we've right. both been so busy and everything. We we haven't done yeah. a lot. Which I <clears throat> the stuff that I'm going to recommend um, is a little bit more 
Uh, one of them is still kind of book related, but it's comic <laughs> books, which we don't talk about as much. Um, so DC is doing this kind of uh, new golden age thing that they're kicking off. Um, they put out an actual comic called New Golden Age, uh, and then they put out a comic <coughs> called Star Girl. Um, and the Star Girl comic run that they had, I got really, really into it as one of my favorite comic runs, more recent comic runs. Um, and that was revitalizing a lot of like golden age heroes and sidekicks and touching on a lot of like forgotten sidekicks and heroes from like the 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and they're currently doing as part of this a three part or a three series, three separate series. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Wesley Dodd's uh, Sandman. One is Jay Garrick, which is an old version of the Flash. And the other one is Alan Scott, which is, if not the first it's Green the Lantern, Green that's the original original Green mm-hmm. Lantern. We're doing a six-issue run on each of those three characters. The Wesley Dodds one started last week. Um, then Jay Garrick is supposed to be this week coming up. And then the following week will be the first issue of Alan Scott. And then I think they're going to be monthlies. Um, so they're going to be doing one issue a month and just rotate out that way. I haven't read all of the Wesley Dodds when I read about three or four pages of it, just kind of skimming it. It's very good. I like whenever they bring back throwback heroes I think, like that. Yeah, and didn't you say it was written in like a throwback way too? It is, yeah, because uh, the Wesley Dodds one, at least in the beginning that I was reading, is in 1940. Right. Um, so it is very much like an old school thing. So I recommend that if you're into comics, <clears throat> and especially older comics. Um, but the the thing that I'm going to recommend really strongly, because I've just been yelling at everybody to listen to it, is uh, K63. Um, it's a podcast. But on a Spotify, it's a Spotify exclusive. But it's more of like a radio drama type thing. Um, so it is a scripted, acted out story. And it has uh, Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaacs actually do the voices of the two main characters. And they have a few other voices and like some sound effects and stuff like that. Um, but the basic premise of this, it's like a sci-fi story. Um, it's a... a, a Time Traveler shows up in, I think it's the year 2020, I think, or I think it was 2020, I believe, in the first season. Um, or it might be 2022. No, I think it was, 20, yeah, 2022. Um, and he is from the year 2062, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he keeps talking about, like, he has to convince this therapist that he's working with that he actually has time traveled in order to try to stop this major disaster. There's 10 episodes of it. They're like 15 to 20 minutes each at the most. It's very short. It's well acted. um, And it's also just very, very interesting. Second season of it just came out, I think, this month. I think within the last few weeks. Um, I re-listened to the first season and then listened to the second season as well. First season's a lot better. It's a lot more of a contained story. Second season's still pretty good. Um, But that's K63. It's on Spotify. It was created by Julio Rojas. And it was adapted by uh, Mara Vali, uh Melendez. Um, so look that one up. It's very, very good. Uh, we can be found at Instagram at TalkBookie. Our Goodreads are also linked in our bio, but it's www.goodreads.com backslash Femarie for me or www.goodreads.com backslash ATCole1400, right? Mm-hmm. For Aaron. Um, or you can email us any questions or recommendations at talkbookie at gmail.com. 
And the po- the podcast is currently available on Spotify. I think it's where most people listen to it and Podbean. Um, we're in the process of getting it picked up on Apple uh, Podcasts and also through Google Podcasts. Um, it's just in the review process, but it'll soon be available up there as well. And uh, and we're also working on just little behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, hopefully, this episode at the opening would have had our new little music track in there, that intro music that you created. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> if I can get that to work, again, I'm not super technically savvy with a lot of this stuff, but we're going to try to work that one in. Um, and also, uh, we should have new cover art that'll be going up fairly soon once the Apple Podcast and Google Podcast versions are officially there. We'll have um, <clears throat> a new cover art logo that is a little more representative of what our brand is overall. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, please reach out, uh, if you have any questions or if you'd like to give us recommendations, share the show with friends, uh, leave us a rating, subscribe to us on Spotify or through Podbean, all of that stuff helps. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show and you got some good recommendations from us. Um, and we will be back at the end of October for our final wrap up, tell you what we finished reading. We'll give you some reviews and then rank our books for the month as Because well. it is Halloween is the end of the episode or end of this the month i think that we'll probably have to record the day before and mm-hmm. then we'll maybe just post on halloween yeah but we'll see how that goes because like today we are posting and recording on the the day we're supposed to right um but i don't really want to do that on halloween well no i mean we <laughs> we'll probably won't be doing that we will get interrupted all, i'm honest. sure well yeah yeah i'm sure we won't be doing that much going forward because it's just difficult to always line that up but it just it just happened to work out on a sunday for us so all right but like i said thank you for listening thank you for the subscribe uh subscribing downloads uh liking out yeah reaching out follow us on instagram because um i really like seeing when people interact with our posts Mm -hmm. um share our instagram too because that's super helpful to get us out there because I, I hashtag talk bookie every single time right. I post something. I just I just want friends on Instagram. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, please like us. Yes, uh, please like us. <laughs> no, but genuinely, thank you for listening. It means a lot. Um, and we will most definitely be back in a few weeks uh, with our monthly wrap-up. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye.